Today's guest is Gabrielle Traub, who is a board-certified classical homeopath and international best-selling author of the books Live Right for Your Remedy Type and Infertility Secrets, Struggles and Successes. Gabrielle completed a five-year homeopathic medical degree program in South Africa, where she trained in hospitals and rural clinics. She dedicated a year to research as well. And then after moving to California, she worked in an OBGYN practice for a decade alongside a traditional OBGYN and fertility endocrinologist. She was previously part of a core team of clinicians at an inpatient treatment center specializing in eating disorders, addictions, PTSD, and chronic pain, where she treated patients with homeopathy. Gabrielle has taught homeopathy in England, South Africa, Pakistan, Dubai, Australia, and throughout the USA. She is a regular guest speaker to naturopathic students at Bastyr University and to pharmacy students at University of California. She is currently on the faculty of the Los Angeles School of Homeopathy and former faculty of the American Medical College of Homeopathy, the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and Regents University in London and Pioneer University in the UK. She also produced and hosted the integrative medicine radio show called Vital Force. I am sure you are absolutely going to love today's episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we get to hang out with the absolutely lovely Gabrielle Traub in San Diego. Welcome, Gabrielle. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Eugenie. It's such a pleasure. Now, we share a hometown in Cape Town. Actually, I mean to ask you, are you originally from Cape Town or another part of South Africa? I am. I was born, I'm a mountain girl. I was born in the mountains of Worcester, but we moved to Cape Town when I was about two years old. Oh, well, I'm from Paul originally, so not too oh, far from Worcester. Yeah. That is so cool. Uh, awesome. And But your accent's changed a little bit now, which has given it away, that you've had some journeys all around the world, London, and end up in San Diego, and so happy to get to have a chat with you today. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you were first introduced to homeopathy? Yeah, it's it's actually a tragic story. So my brother died um, suddenly from an adverse reaction, drug reaction, when he was two years old. And it was absolutely traumatic, of course. And then a few years later, my living brother had a very similar anaphylactic reaction. He was actually resuscitated by paramedics. And he's alive and thriving today and has a beautiful family. But those instances really made my parents aware that they they felt scared to give us medication because of these strange and rare reactions. And so they were looking for alternatives and they came across homeopathy. And as you know, homeopathy is pretty popular in South Africa. We're one of the British colonies and we admire the royal family and, and all the rest. So I actually started seeing a homeopath from when I was quite young and I grew up with homeopathy and that was my normal medicine. Whenever we got sick, my parents took us to the homeopath and that That was very normal for me. I remember I have so many memories of being at the homeopathic consultation and taking my little remedies. And for me, that was the most organic and natural way to grow up. And that's the way I intended to raise my child. And I pretty much have my child. My son has grown up on homeopathy. He's never needed an antibiotic before, and he's just thriving 
He barely gets sick. He got through COVID in 24 hours and he just has a strong, amazing immune system. And that is my goal working with families to help them develop strong, healthy children. So that's my vision. Oh, that's beautiful. And when you have that strong foundation, mm-hmm. it just makes everything so much easier. That's what I feel with my kids. Once they're 18, 20, whatever, I hope they stay at home as long as possible. But once they're out <laughs> of my care, I can't really have a handle on what it is that they do with their health. So I kind of feel like I'm doing my best to set them up right now with the best health possible. So it does give them that really good foundation. And mm-hmm. we apparently had a homeopath in our town that my mom took me to when we were really little, but we were quite small when he moved. And so after that, I went to the doctor and I had my antibiotics for my ear infections and my tonsillitis. So things would have been very different if he stayed. <laughs> but how amazing that you had one in your town. And you stayed. And how amazing South- that you came back to it. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now you, you trained in South Africa and the training there is quite different. We've only had one, maybe two homeopaths on the show. So tell oh, us really? a little bit. Yeah. Uh, from South Africa. Tell us a little bit about mm. the training in South Africa and what you went through there. Yeah, so we trained as primary care physicians. When I went to school, a lot of our subjects were at the medical school. So we did anatomy, cutting up cadavers. That was all at the medical school. And we were on a very similar track to medical students. In fact, at the medical school, we would compete with our grades and see who could do better. And a lot of the homeopaths were kind of bookish. We were a little geeky and we really were very studious. And they actually tried when we graduated to try and lull us into studying medicine and and they gave us an opportunity to study medicine. Some of my colleagues did. They went over to the dark side. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> they ended up going on to specialize. But we do a lot of clinical training. We do so many subjects like epidemiology and histology, osteology, a lot of ologies. <laughs> and we train to be the pretty much the primary care physician. We learn things like suturing and um how to give injections. And it's a wonderful thing because a lot of times homeopaths work in these rural clinics that are far away. I had just mentioned to you, I did my internship with Dr. Fraser in Barrydale, and there often isn't a doctor for miles and miles away. And so the homeopath has to be that person who can handle most situations. And I was lucky enough to train in Hilbra Hospital, which was an outpatient hospital. And it was amazing because every single day there would be a line of patients going all the way out the door and down the street and people coming from all over Africa. And we would see all these like weird and wonderful infectious diseases. And I remember there was one woman came in and she was in a lot of distress and she couldn't speak any English. And I just traveled to Malawi and I learned Chichewe. And so I said to her, Muli Buanji, Ndi Buino, Kaya Inu. And she calmed down enough to be able to explain, like show what was going on. And she actually ended up having acute appendicitis and needed an emergency epidectomy. And the physician who was watching this on stop, he was trying to get her to open up and talk to him. He was so impressed that I was a homeopath that they started actually sending a lot of their patients they were turning away to our student clinic. And so they were funneling in all these patients that they couldn't see. And our student clinic became really busy with all these patients from all over Africa. And we got to treat. We saw what syphilis looks like and tuberculosis and these weird worms embedded in the skin. You know, I mean, it's just we treat everything there. It's pretty amazing the experience that we get. And it leaves us feeling very empowered and equipped that there's nothing that's too challenging or difficult to treat with homeopathy and really giving us hands-on experience with how to treat everything. I have 
had full on body goosebumps since the moment (laughs) you started talking. That is so unbelievably cool. Mm. Wow, what an experience. I mean, I have like things like syphilis. I have to go and Google images and I'm like, uh, okay, that's what it looks like. <laughs> well, you can see secondary syphilis on the mm. skin as well as the primary cankers as well, but you can see what it looks like in dermatology. If you're in a dermatology rotation in the hospital, you'll definitely in South Africa see things like that. The other very unique experience we had at our school, it was actually a research-based school. So every single student conducted double-blind clinical trials and we were fully equipped with our own personal statistician. A librarian every single week would give us a huge box of abstracts pertaining to our study. And we were trained in clinical research. And this is so important. We all produced our own clinical research. And we spent... we. In, doing probability and statistics from writing grants, how to write abstracts, how to do study design. So we spent about three years really just doing research. And after we graduated from homeopathy school, most students went on to doing research for about between one to three years, depending on the complexity of their study. The other thing that was really cool is For homeopaths to be able to dispense medicine, legally, we had to be trained in homeopharmacology. So this, at the time, didn't seem like the most exciting subject, but we ended up doing homeopathic pharmacology where we made our own remedies every single week for at least three hours a week, succussing, titrating, (laughs) preparing the remedies and preparing them properly in a vacuum, learning how to create a sterile environment and all the rest. So even though I didn't appreciate as much at the time, it was just such a wonderful experience to learn how to make remedies according to Hanumanian principles. Wow, that is uh, a very handy skill to have, especially what's happening with the FDA in America at uh-huh. the moment. So you can know Absolutely. how to make your own remedy. Very handy skill to have. Now, you also are the author of this amazing book called Live Right for Your Remedy Type. Now, when I heard the title, I was so intrigued. And I know you also, around the same time I found out about this book, were doing a seminar for the Australian Homeopathic Association. I'm like, what is this book about? What is it about? So (laughs) I had to get a copy and check it out. And I was really blown away and also thinking to myself, why hasn't anyone done this sooner? It just makes so much sense. So now that I've set that up, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what led you to write this book and a little bit about what it's about? Yeah. So I want to also mention that part of our training at school, we learned things like pharmacology, nutrition, iris diagnosis, massage, ear acupuncture. So a lot of kind of modalities that fit into homeopathy. And then after I worked in an inpatient treatment clinic, so I was one of part of the team of primary care doctors. It was a very integrative clinic from psychiatrist to nutritionist. And we had treatment team meetings every week. So learning how homeopathy integrated and all these other therapies. I also went on to teach at Pacific College for Oriental Medicine, which is an acupuncture school. And I started taking courses in Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and learning how all these modalities actually are perfectly connected. And they are, even though they come from health and healing from very different angles, they are in complete alignment with each other. So having this deep understanding of the pathology, as well as, you know, 
basic understanding of some of these other modalities, I saw some connections and coming from a very unique lens, started to see my patients in a different way. I also am very, very passionate about diet and lifestyle. I'm very athletic. I've always been into sports. I'm committed to staying young and healthy. I've had lots of injuries I've had to recover from. And so I'm always trying to find ways, well, how can we be healthier? One of my patients came to see me and she was abusing a body, drinking too much alcohol, getting no sleep, working too hard. And she said, oh, I don't need you to take care of myself because I, I can just come and see you and you can give me a remedy and I'll be healed. And that statement really bothered me because at my core, I truly believe that before remedies, diet and basic lifestyle and hygiene are the most important things for health. And so I also look and was observing how every single decade and every few years, we have a new diet, a new phase, a new, how can we individualize this treatment? I find that what happens is doctors and naturopaths and nutritionists tend to recommend the diet that works best for them without considering everybody's unique principles and unique body type. And I started to study the literature and this took me, this book took me almost 15 years to write because I wanted to make sure the information that I put out was reproducible, that's my scientific background, and true. I know what it is like to teach students who become so easily overwhelmed by conflicting information. And so I did a very intense literature review and covered all angles. I looked at modalities. I looked at what homeopaths wrote about. And I found that we actually have a lot of information about each different remedy type and what is going to be the best for them. Now, Dr. Hahnemann actually wrote in the Organana, in the book I reference all the aphorisms, that having incorrect diet, lifestyle, even living in marshy, moldy conditions can be an obstacle to cure. And I found that this was very true for my patients, but how can we guide them best? So this is a very logical book. It's very pragmatic. It's very fun. Reading the book tells you a lot about yourself and it tells you about yourself in terms of relationships, how to raise your children, what, how do you incorporate Bach flower remedies, how do you incorporate diet? And I looked at diet from a homeopathic perspective, Ayurvedic perspective, Chinese medicine perspective, all of it trying to incorporate so much. And I feel that in about 90% of cases, it will be it will work very well for the patient to follow. It's not going to be true in every 100% of cases. I have a patient, she is in her 90s, and she still rides horses twice a week. She is fit as a fiddle, amazing. I am not going to change what she's doing. Whatever she's doing, is perfect. I'm not going to alter that. She's had over 90 years of experience determining what's best for her type. And so it's only for those patients that are not doing well, that do need help with their lifestyle, that we actually have very clear guidelines on how to help them. And it can differ dramatically from one person to the next. It is extreme. It is the most individualized lifestyle program you can imagine. Yeah, I completely agree. I was I was kind of imagining before I read the book, I was kind of imagining what might be in there, but it actually blew my mind 
just how individualized it was. And also when I saw the advice on parenting, I was like, this is absolutely genius. Because if you have an arsenicum child, they have a high need for cleanliness and tidiness and all that sort of thing. And if you don't understand where they're coming from, and you, for example, might be a tuberculinum parent where it might not be that important <laughs> for you, then it's really wonderful understanding. It's almost like understanding star signs, I guess. Like if you sometimes if you read somebody's star sign, you're like, oh, that's the angle that they're coming from. I almost feel like this is that same sort of line where you, if you understand the remedy type on a really deep level, you can understand where that person's coming from, what is needed for them to have a homeostasis, just a happy, happy medium. And even like you've got even individualized exercise in there. So if you are this type or that type, if you're a pulsatilla type that likes lots of fresh air, then things like you've got forest bathing in there. I'm like, oh, that's such a, <laughs> so amazing. So you, the types of exercise that is going to suit your constitution is even in there, even supplements. I mean, if you've got herbs in there, that's going to resonate best with your constitutional type. So I feel that this is a book equally for homeopaths and clients alike. It's probably more so for clients. I think once you've got your constitutional type, then this is something great for you to refer to. But it's so important for homeopaths to know this as well. Yeah. It's the things that we already know and we don't tell our patients. Like how many times do we tell our patients to drink more water, our pulsatile patients, even though we know that they should. And if they drank more water, that would make them less susceptible to urinary tract infections that, you know, and so like something like pulsatilla, they need fats for their hormone development, but because they can't emulsify fats because they have a problem with their gallbladder, they're not getting the fats that they need to be properly absorbed to be able to produce the hormones that they need. And so we know all this stuff. The stuff is not so foreign necessarily, but we don't always have it packaged in a way that's easy to hand to the patient. So the way I utilize it is I recommend that homeopaths actually have the actual book to have and they can reference. But for your patients, they don't need to buy a whole book. They can just buy the Kindle version and say to them, read this, this, your remedy that you need at this moment in time is tuberculinum. Go Mm. read this chapter on tuberculinum. So the important thing here is homeopathy is not like a zodiac sign because we change. This is very important. A zodiac sign is something that you fixed and you're born into. The beautiful thing about understanding homeopathy is we are dynamic and we change. And so we like to capture what that patient's remedy state is in this very moment moment in time. And so not only does our remedy state change, but our needs change, our dietary needs change, and our exercise needs change. And it's very important. We become very religious in our determination of diet and lifestyle. It's very important to be fluid and flexible and change as our state changes. I'm so glad you said that. That is beautiful because this whole thing of the constitutional remedy really does my head in. And after, I think you'll be about 100, episode 160, after interviewing all these people, my ideas about homeopathy and what it is, is just like constantly changing. And I I use, for example, autism as an example. If a child had been vaccine injured and therefore they are um, very fixated, very uh, non-flexible, things have to be done a f- certain way, they might come across as an arsenicum state. But actually, once you remove those layers, you will see a completely different personality under underneath that. So, you know, Absolutely. were they arsenicum all along or were they, you know, something else all along, this state underneath? So I love that you're talking about the that the state can change and then you are adapting your diet, your lifestyle, even your parenting methods according to Mm -hmm. the state. Um, 
Yeah. And I, that's so important for parents. We realize that every child needs something different. And as soon as something starts working, they change and we need to pivot and do something different. It's We have to have that flexibility as parents, especially. Mm, and I said to you beforehand, uh, me and my kids are quite tabecular. So that was the first part of the book that I went to was tabeculinum <laughs> to get a bit of an idea. But it is a type that can be, they have a tendency towards more ADHD, high energy, needs lots of change. So I love that you say in here, like, for example, under tabeculitis, you said conventional asthma medication can increase hyperactivity in some people, especially the, those who are predisposed to ADHD. So tabecular have quite weak lungs anyway. So then if you en- end up putting them on asthma medication, that can then increase their already susceptible state to something like ADHD. So, or if you, uh, they study daycare or something like that, you know, the the tools that they need to feel safe and happy and how they'll respond in the illness. I mean, it's just an amazing book. It's, a, it's incredible. Thank so, you. Thank you of, so much. Like I said, I just, I can't understand why it hasn't been written before, but like you said, probably because it took 15 years, like there's so much information needed to produce something like this. Tell us maybe a little bit more about some of the feedback that you've had from people who have used this book in their clinic or in their life. Yeah, so I've had actually wonderful feedback. I've had feedback from patients that say, for example, they have this deeper understanding of their children. They finally get why their children do certain things and they can. this allows them to nurture them best. I've had feedback from doctors saying, homeopathic, naturopathic doctors saying that this allows them to refine their prescriptions when they're struggling between two remedies. I've had a feedback saying that they were giving a homeopathic remedy, but it wasn't. there was a, a lifestyle factor there was an obstacle to cure. And the moment they removed that obstacle, the remedy started working beautifully. One of some of the criticisms that I've received from the book, which is definitely a limitation, is I only have written about 21 (laughs) remedies and we have hundreds and I'm acutely aware of that. Um, What I've actually done recently, and I'd love to invite your listeners, I'll send you the link, is I've created a Facebook group. And the Facebook group, the Live Right for Your Remedy Type Facebook group is really to expand on this knowledge. My idea with this book is to start the conversation. It wasn't supposed to be a complete method in itself. It was supposed to start a conversation. And I hope that on in the Facebook group and just in discussion, we'll get lots more remedy types mapped up. Actually, in the Facebook group, I've already mapped up a couple. And we need this information for every remedy because it's the saddest thing is when somebody buys my book and says, well, my remedy is not in there. What about me? Am I not important enough? And they, all the remedies are important. So I just, I would love help from the community, from other homeopaths. Once you understand the concept of how to create this, then we can map it out for other remedies as well. I felt very honored when you started the group and added me to there. And I'm excited to see how it's going to evolve. I think I love Facebook groups for that. It's such a good sounding board. That's why I have my podcast group as well. And you know what actually happened is once I hit over 100 episodes, it's actually the first episode started dropping away and people would say, well, where's your first lot of episodes? And I didn't realize that it was somebody in my Facebook group that pointed that out to me. So I changed the setting and then it was fixed. But if I didn't have that sounding board, I wouldn't have known because I don't go check back to the first ones. So great. I'm so glad that you've started this. I think you have just opened some floodgates because you're going to have a whole bunch of people going in there demanding that their remedy be written about. I love even how you've got here about like 
in relationships to Becky Lineham in relationships. And you say here things like that. Sorry, this is, it's all about me. <laughs> no, this is lovely. I love just, hearing it from your perspective. I love the feedback. And I always feel it's, it's better if you make it like a personal example. So I'm using me as an example, but they love surprises. That's so me. Like that's the best way for my husband is to make my day is to give me a surprise. Whereas if I'm a cynicum type, they might want warning beforehand of what's going to happen. Whereas me, just surprise me. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's really lovely. So it's going to be interesting seeing in the Facebook group what sort of remedy types. And I know I saw somebody in the group asked about a remedy and it, it was one that's not that common. So it's not that much. Inform- yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you're not going to see that there's not that much information out there. So you can't really flesh it out as much. But yeah, who knows? Hopefully it doesn't take you another 15 years. This next one's going to have to come out pretty quickly. Well, hopefully with the help of other homeopaths, we'll be able to get more information to add to it. Everyone I've had on the show that's written a book has said it takes years, years Mm. and years. I would love to talk about something else because you are quite a visionary, somebody that likes to really start things up and get things excited and going. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about World Homeopathy Awareness Week, which I have known about for years. I had no idea that you the person who started it. So what inspired you to start that and tell us a little bit about it? So coming from South Africa, I felt very proud to be a homeopath. I remember telling somebody when I just graduated, I'm a homeopath, and their reaction was, oh, what a noble profession. And that's how I felt. It is a noble profession. It's a beautiful profession. And then I went to London and I worked at the Hale Clinic, was opened by the Prince of Wales. And then I came to America and I told people I'm a homeopath and they had no idea what it was. And this really shocked me. I was disturbed to the core. I felt, well, how, why do you not know what homeopathy is? And so I felt like I have to change this. We have to let people know what homeopathy is. So I gathered a group of local homeopaths and we were going to put on talks at this local health food store. And then the more I began to think about it, I love the global arena. Like for me, there's something so exciting that connecting with other homeopaths around the world and other people around the world. And I thought, why just do it this small? Let's go big, go big or go home. <laughs> so I um, actually, to get some help with this, because it was a, a project that was very daunting, I actually joined a leadership program to, uh, and this was my project to be able to create a World Homeopathy Awareness Week. And um, in the beginning was very hard. I mean, I didn't know people from around the world. And who who is this Gabrielle? Who does she think she is starting up a world world week? Who's going to listen to me? But after a lot of tenacity and perseverance and late nights, I got this off the ground and I developed an amazing, we had an amazing team. It was, they gave me so much guidance. It was amazing because to be honest, I had never done anything like this before. I'd never been part of any committees or anything like that. So they, I got a lot of guidance and we had members from all around the world and it was amazing and just to connect with them and what I what was most beautiful for me is we put on an annual week which is World Homeopathy Awareness Week but what was so beautiful for me was how everybody did it so differently they brought their creativity in they brought their unique ideas and it was so colorful and beautiful and just the you know there were people doing opera for homeopathy and there were people in Australia that had those huge banners across the highways do you remember that 
these gigantic, like all of these huge highways. It was just so, when I got all the photos in from all the events, it was so exciting to see. And then a few years ago, um, I actually handed it over to our main organization in the United States, the National Center for Homeopathy. So they are the U.S. representatives for uh, the United States, and they are doing an amazing job. And there's something about the collective unconscious. When you are doing something at the same time all over the world, it just feels so much bigger and more inspiring. Absolutely. And it's the 10th of April every year, right? For a week, which is Samuel Hahnemann's birthday. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. It's my birthday is the 4th of April. So I always like, it's like a, an extra reason for me to celebrate. Like previous years, I hadn't really, I knew about it, but I hadn't done anything from my end. And so last year I did a daily podcast episode for that week just to try and raise some awareness. But I feel like this year I want to go big. You've inspired me. I'm just, I love it. Yeah. I I'm like, it. what can we do? What can we do? <laughs> As an example, in Pakistan, they actually set up relief camps for earthquake victims because there was an earthquake one year and we actually received an award from the Pakistani government. They were treating like hundreds and hundreds of patients a day with these free clinics, which is amazing. That's incredible. What are some mm -hmm. other things that people have done? So a lot of talks, a lot of radio shows, a lot of podcasts. I did a lot of television appearances. I mean, just writing articles. They would go to schools and do presentations for children. They would create homeopathic coloring in books. Just really, really creative things. People would write homeopathic stories and just, oh, there was a lot of social media engagement. That's something that everybody can do. Just, mm. you know, have a banner. Happy World Homeopathy Awareness Week and just something like that. A lot of people offer discounts in their clinics. I, one year I planted trees for every patient I saw that year, you know, uh, so we, you know, there's organizations that you can donate to. I didn't actually do the planting myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a lot of trees. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, one of the things I really enjoyed last year, I can't remember what the organization was, but they had photos of themselves and then a, like kind of a banner around them and homeopathy helped me with. And then it was each person's story with their face attached. And it was really powerful reading all the stories of what homeopathy has done for all these people with a face attached to it. It made it really personal. So it's not just something that you're reading on a website, but you're seeing that this living person had these incredible results. So that yeah. was really inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, Gabrielle. That's, I'm so glad that you've started that. And I appreciate that so much because you're right. Homeopathy does deserve to, some recognition. There's a homeopath here in Perth that I know who studied in South Africa. And she actually said exactly the same thing. When she came over to Perth, she was so shocked that people didn't know what it was because in South Africa, it's, you know, they, they're revered. People are just so, they, they love their homeopaths. Everyone knows what it is. And they have, um, yeah, they, they just, they're very valued. They're very valued members of society. And you come over here and they think you're a witch doctor. So I can imagine that that could really affect your, all the, all the years of study that you've put into. And then it's just, there's no recognition for it. So I love that you've done this. Um, and I feel the difference. I do. Now when I, you know, tell people I'm a homeopath, I do notice the difference. I feel like the effort we've done has made a difference. Definitely. Can you tell our listeners, maybe just leave us with a final message of what what are your hopes and dreams for homeopathy for the future and also where people can get hold of you in your book? 
Yeah, so this is, in America, this is a little bit of a scary time for homeopathy. There's a lot of uncertainty. However, I feel like homeopathy has always been on, I know this sounds dramatic, but the verge of extinction. There's always so much opposition to homeopathy. And no matter what, we've always come through. They, I feel like homeopathy is our birthright. It is not something that they can take away from us. And I will not allow it. I am so, I feel like a a fierce lion, a fierce tiger defending my homeopathy. This is something that it is our birthright, it is our children's birthright. We deserve this. It, it is something that is so special and sacred. And we need to do everything that we can to protect us. I don't think that it will ever go away. I cannot even imagine, I can't fathom not having a life without homeopathy. Even my son, who's nine years old, he says, Mom, what do you, what do parents do without homeopathy? How do they take care of their children. I mean, it it honestly blows my mind how people do this without homeopathy. We use, we have a remedy for everything, right? And so my goal is to make homeopathy. Oh, I, have a <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I need a t-shirt like that. I'll send you one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that... so my, my goal is to make this beautiful, the sacred, the sweet, medicine available to everybody, that we never feel like we don't have a choice, that we always have options. That's my mm. goal. Mm. And where can people get hold of you? Yeah, so my website is sandiegohomeopathy.com. And if they're interested in my books or any of the courses that I do, they can go to homeopathicbook.com. That's a great domain name. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, smart lady. <laughs> I was so lucky. <laughs> Excellent. The book well, is on Amazon in different countries. So we'll post the links for the various countries below. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Gabrielle. I've been so excited to connect with you. And it's been lovely to be your Facebook buddy for the little while before we chatted. So I could see there's a beautiful video about your son saying as well, for people to do their submissions and to keep homeopathy alive. I think the little video a little while back and seeing your photos of your recent holiday to Cape Town. And it's lovely to connect with you. And yeah, I just really appreciate your work. So thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much for what you are doing. What you are doing is so important. I'm so excited about your podcast. I just discovered it recently. I don't know how I haven't heard about it before. So I'm <laughs> so excited to start listening to it. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.